for tuning in to the Woods Edge Student Ministry Podcast. In this episode, we'll be discussing the importance of godly marriage. At the end, you'll notice a special time where students specifically pray over their parents. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information, you can go to woodsedge.org students. We're going to be talking about marriage and divorce, mostly marriage. A little on divorce. We're going to be talking about what marriage is. And by extension, we'll be addressing how God never intended for divorce to be part of the picture. Many of you are in here, like myself, who have come from a family who have parents that have been divorced. That is never God's heart for you or for them. And as we look at what a good marriage is supposed to be, what the Bible says marriage is supposed to be, I don't want you to be thinking, well, my parents should have done that, or, oh, how am I going to be able to do that? I want you to be thinking of how you can pray to have that and to pray that your parents would be healed from that or able to attain to that. We, this whole service, is preamble, is a preface to some prayer time that I feel like God is inviting us to be part of at the end of this service. When we're all said and done, every one of you is coming up here, and we're going to pray for our families for our parents, our parents' marriages, and our future marriages. Um, I feel like this is a message God laid specifically on my heart for you guys for today in order to invite this time of prayer. But also, I know it's needed because I've been asking several of you throughout the week, but who prays for their parents' marriage every day? I see two hands. How many of us should pray for our parents, for their marriages every day. All our hands should be up. Whether your parents are together, whether they're barely together, divorced, single parent, we should be praying for them. They need it, we're called to it, and today, hopefully, we'll be encouraged to attain to that a little more. We're also talking about marriage today because the whole church is going to start paying a little more attention to the marriages in our midst. I was blessed enough being part of the leadership team here at church to go on a marriage retreat with Brooke and five or six other couples from Woods Edge a couple weeks back. And while there, we would get together in the morning and for about two hours just talk about our marriage, you know, how you met and what do you do well and what would you like to work on. And in the evening, we would talk for a couple hours. What are your dreams for your marriage? What are your dreams for your ministry together as a married couple, etc.? But the whole rest of the time was just us hanging out and being married together. Brooke and I, since the retreat was up in the hill country, we'd just go to Bastrop and do some antiquing and look at old Texas towns and buildings. We'd go to Austin and do shopping on South Congress and just look at all kinds of freaky stuff and be like, this is a cool town. And then we would get together and we would talk with our friends about marriage. And it was really powerful. It was really rich. Our marriage needed that break, that time to just come together with a fresh appreciation of, man, I love this woman. I love being married. I love how God uses the gift of marriage to shape me into a better me and to shape her into a better her. Um, but the, the retreat was mostly for us that were on the retreat. It was just a, a time of blessing, a time to get to know each other, a time to invest in our own marriages. But interestingly, on the last morning we were together before we headed back home, our senior pastor, Pastor Jeff, the tall, the skinny runner guy, you've seen him, um, He says, do you guys think that there's anything from our time together as leadership this weekend that we are supposed to take back to the congregation? 
And we kind of saw, you know, thought about that for a moment. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm asking for a reason. Last night, I had a dream that Gail and I, his wife and he, were divorced. And the most prominent thing about that dream was the pain that I felt at the possibility of being divorced from Gail. And it wasn't necessarily the dream. It was the feeling of being divorced, of being ripped apart. And it really made an impression on him. And so he said, for that reason, I'm asking, do you think we need to, like, do something? Do you think we need to start an initiative or something? Should we raise the level of awareness of marriage, the importance of marriage, back home when we get back later today? As he's asking that question, a woman from across the room, a wife of our missions pastor, says, I had the exact same dream last night. I dreamt last night that my husband and I were divorced. And more than anything else in the dream, I was so rocked at how hurt and broken I was because of the feeling that that divorce had taken place, that it just was not right. And we were just like, whoa, whoa, two people, same dream, same night. God knew we were going to ask that question. Do we need to think more, pray more, address more marriage back at Wood's Edge? And he gave them those answers to that question before we knew to ask the question in the form of those dreams. I love how God works. So we talked about it, we prayed about it, and we had a lot of good ideas come up, but the main thing we're going to start to do, which for us starts today, is we are going to invite a season from God of vulnerability in marriage and in a season of celebration of marriage. We're going to invite a season of vulnerability in marriage. How many people in this room, unmarried, are just like all the time, oh, I'm fine, everything's good in my life, there's nothing wrong, when inside you are broken and you are hurting, and there are things you just need to get off your chest, but you do, just don't know that you can share, you're scared to share, it's the same in marriages. People are hurt, people are confused, people don't know what to do. We want to invite a season of vulnerability, of inviting, let's talk about those things, let's work on those things, let's pray about those things, and a season of just celebrating what marriage is. It's beautiful. The Bible says it's a mystery, a mystery that we probably won't even fully understand until we get to heaven of God's relationship with us. So we're going to talk about marriage. It's been a prophecy spoken several times over the student ministry that revival would start with our students. So we feel like we're supposed to talk about marriage. We're starting today. So we're going to talk about marriage. I'll start with a question and interactive. Who in here would like to get married someday? Most of you, I would imagine. Maybe some of you are like, I'm going to be like Paul and never get married and only share the gospel. And hey, great. But most of us want to get married. Some of you ladies out there, have you wanted to get married since you were just like this? Like, do you have the, the binder at home of what your wedding day is going to look like and your husband-to-be is going to see that and be like, oh my God, I can't afford that. Right? We, we long to get married. We long to end our season of being alone and invite that best friend into our life for all time. We all long for that on some level. Let me ask a question. Um, anybody in here dating or have you ever dated ever? All right? Do you know? No, I won't even scratch that. Why? Why did you date someone? Anybody want to be brave enough to answer that question? It can be a selfish answer. I don't care. What do you got? You're lonely. Yeah. Carly's lonely. Date me. No. What do you got? Over here, I saw a hand. What do you got? You really liked him and you connected. Sure, let's date. Let's take this to the next level. Let's see what's going on. Let's see, you know, 
stuff. What do you got? They like the same food as you. Low standards right there. You like Jack in the Box? I love Jack in the Box. Be my girlfriend. Over here, anybody? Why did you date? What do you got? You wanted to marry him. Boom. God's purpose for dating is marriage. It's not because, oh, she's hot. Oh, he's popular, and I will raise my status. People date for those reasons. Maybe you have. I have. But God's purpose for dating is marriage. So if you're in a relationship and you're looking at this guy or this girl and be like, okay, we've got this going for us, but I would never marry that person. Man, cut it off. Walk away. Save yourself the heartache. God's purpose for dating is marriage. Let me ask you this regarding marriage. What is it? What do you think marriage is? Think about your parents being married. Think about maybe what the Bible says. Maybe think of some of the answers. What is marriage? There's no wrong answers here, unless I point at you and say you're wrong. What do you got, Kelsey? Having a best friend, Having a best friend forever. Amen to that. What do you got, Lincoln? Two people becoming one. What's up? Somebody's been reading ahead. What do you got? Giving someone half your stuff and admitting that you can stand them for the rest of Even better, betting someone half your stuff that you can stay together for the rest of your life. I like it. Not very biblical, but I'll take it. Lucchese. Becoming unselfish. Becoming unselfish. Good answer. Oh, did you high-five each other? What's up? What's up? Savannah, did you raise your hand? Fighting a battle together. Joshua? Being together with the other half. All these answers are great. Some of them line perfectly with the scriptures that we're going to look at today. So we're going to look at two verses. We can look at tons about what marriage is to see what God says about it. And we're going to start at the beginning. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 2, 23 through 24. Survey says, there it is. All right. So Adam in the garden alone, lonely. I'm sick of hanging out with these zebras and giraffes. And God sees that. And so he does his, like, operation and pulls the riblet out of Adam, and he makes a woman, and Adam is like, At last! The man exclaimed, This one is bone for my bone and flesh for my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. That's literally how it happened. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. So we learn from that passage a couple things. Woman came from man. There was a man. He was alone. He was alone. And God gave him woman, and she came from man. Boys, men, does that mean that she is less than you? That's right. <laughs> Women, does that mean that you're less than him? No, no sir. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Equal. God refers to our spouses as a helper suitable, a perfect partner, equals. Now, there's different roles in marriage, but you are equal in the eyes of the Lord. Marriage, according to this passage, it could be said, is a reunion. Here's man alone. God takes a woman from him. They are separate, and then they get married, and they are brought back into that oneness. 
Salvation is the same picture. We have been separated from God by being born on this earth, born rebels. And God, when we accept him in our hearts and invite him to come and rule and reign in our hearts and minds, we are reunited with God, our Father, forever. Beautiful picture, marriage. All right. I could say more. I could teach the whole morning on that. But moving on. Matthew chapter 19, 4 through 8 says this about marriage. Jesus answering the Pharisees, trying to trip him up by asking him about marriage. Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied. They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female, distinct individual creatures. And he goes on to say, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Here's Jesus, thousands of years later, quoting the, New, the Old Testament, saying this is what marriage is. And since they are no longer two but one, no, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Well, then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away? Lame. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts, but it was not what God originally attended again. I can say so much about marriage and divorce from this. I'll say just a couple things. Marriage, two becoming one, means it's no longer you. It's no longer me. It's us. You don't worry anymore about just what you want. You worry about what they want. You don't worry about just what makes you happy. You worry about what makes them happy. And marriage is for life. If you're dating somebody and you're thinking about getting married, think of yourselves together at 90 because that's part of the plan. And if you're looking at them going, man, you're going to look jacked up at 90 and you can't handle that, you got some work to do. Think about it because people in our day and age, don't they treat marriage so loosely? Oh, I'll marry her. I'll marry him. If it doesn't work out, we'll just get a divorce. That's not what God wants for you. That is not what he wants for you. It's supposed to be for life. Now, we still get divorced, and it hurts, and it hurts for good reason, because it's never supposed to have been the case. And Moses wrote it into the law because the people of the day were like, no, you got to allow divorce, because I can't put up with her. He snores like a crazy Yeti creature. I've got to get rid of him. Give us a way out. And so he, he cowed to their pressure, and he included divorce. It was never God's plan. So, that's a scriptural understanding of marriage and divorce, some, some key points. It's supposed to be for life. It's a reunion. It's no longer me, but us. And let no one, not even the people in the marriage, split apart what God has put together. Side note, this is for free. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother is joined to his wife. If you get married and then think, oh, we'll be fine, we'll just live with my folks. That ain't part of the plan either, because I've done it. Sucks. All right. It ain't no bueno. So I want to give you guys some fun examples, some real-life examples from my marriage to Brooke and some things that we talked about that we thought might be good for you to think about. These aren't necessarily um, all important, but they're just a snapshot of what regular, everyday life marriage looks like. All right, marriage is. Marriage is risking your life for takeout. On Thursday night, I get home from work. It's the end of my work week. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm ready to just crash out on the couch and have some 
me time, and I walk in the door, and there's my wife, right? Haggard, mascara, children just gripping her. Mom, 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 right? She's been preparing all week for this baby shower she threw for her sister yesterday, and she's just, I thought I was worn out. I look at her, and I'm just like, meep. And I'm still ready to just crash, relax. And she goes, please, for the love of all that's holy, leave here and purchase me Los Cucos fajitas. And I'm like, I just got home. Oh, I, there's the couch right there. But I saw it in her eyes. She needs this a lot more than I need to sit down and rest. So I say yes. And I get in my car about 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And I start driving. And I'm like, oh, it looks like it may rain. You guys remember Thursday, right? <laughs> I get to Los Cucos. I pick up our takeout. I'm walking out to the car. Did it start raining before or after I got in my car? Before. I'm looking at my car. It's 10 feet away, and I'm like, I can't get there. Split the sea, Jesus. So I, I dash to my car. Two seconds. I'm fast. Soaked. I get in there. Wet. My seats are getting wet. And it's just getting worse. Like, boom, thunder and lightning coming down all over the place. I swear, one of them hit like three feet behind my car. My car, without my foot on the gas, was like, boom. Right? Thunder, lightning. It took me 15 minutes to get from Grogan's Mill to Panther Creek, Los Cucos. It took me 25 to get home. People were going 10 on Woodlands Parkway. Whether it was because they were scared or because the water was so impossible they couldn't see or they're just looking out their window going, oh my gosh, the world is ending. We're going to flood. Where's the ark? Hail hit my car in those 25 minutes. Hail in the spring. I'm like, here in the next to the golf course, Woodlands Parkway going by, lake on your left, golf course on your right, heading east, and I, I just see trees start going this, spinning, and I'm like, there is a tornado on the golf course. I make the turn, the weather gets worse, and trees start going boom, boom. I get home. There's Brooke waiting for me because she's like, he's dead. And I come in with this bag, and I'm just like, I see the smile on her face, the gratitude. And I'm like, I put my life on the line for these fajitas, right? <laughs> worth it. So worth it. Marriage is risking your life for some cheap Mexican takeout. Marriage is always doing the dishes. Anybody love doing dishes out there? Yeah, I, I can see by the 10 hands that went up, there's 200 that are like, no. I... Never really loved doing the dishes, but I've grown to love it for one simple reason. Brooke won't do the dishes. Brooke will not do the dishes. So I do the dishes always. And that is something you need to be mindful of if you want to get married. Because there will be things that you might not like to do that you're always going to have to do, like dirty dishes. And sometimes we pull milks out of the car that have been there for weeks. you got to get your hand in there. I lost a finger. No, they're all here. It's nasty. But... While marriage may always be doing the dishes, it means I never, ever have to vacuum. Because Brooke vacuums. And I'm like, score, even trade. I'll take that deal. I will wash the dishes, but you vacuum, right? Because our vacuum is like cumbersome and giant and loud. And I'm just like, vacuum time, I'll do my dishes. And I'm fast. I'm good. You should see me. Come watch me do the dishes. It's great. All right. <laughs> marriage is reading Twilight to a pregnant lady for three months in a row every single night. Oh, 
Twilight, to me, poo-poo. Garbage. I hate it. It's written terribly. It's about gross stuff. I hate the fact that she always, always, always uses the word glowering to describe Edward. I'm like, glower somewhere else. There's like six books in the series, and I read all of them, some of them twice. But here's the trade-off. I don't have to be pregnant, right? <laughs> I don't got to have no baby. I just hold her hand. I'll read to you all day. Push that sucker out, right? Even trade, I think. Marriage is sacrificing the best bite of your dinner. So we eat like other people do. We're normal. And when we eat, Brooke will, as many of us do, she'll eat around her plate like very methodically and save like that one perfect bite. You know, the piece of steak that has just a little bit of fat so it's extra salty and it's got sauce and there's a mushroom on top. She'll save that bite for the end. And do you know what she does time and time again? She gives it to me. She's like, I saved the best bite for you because I love you. I'm just like, you are awesome. I will eat your steak. <laughs> I save you nothing, but I'll do the dishes. Go vacuum. All right. Somebody said this before. Marriage is having your best friend by your side 24-7. Worth it. Instant win. But there's a flip side. Marriage is having somebody by your side 24-7, right? Do you need some alone time sometimes? Well, when you're married, bye-bye. You're with it. Hey, what's going on? What's the matter? Why do you look like that? Oh, God, leave me alone. <laughs> Marriage is always being with your best friend, but sometimes it means you're always with your best friend. <laughs> Marriage means cleaning up someone else's barf, right? And I'm not talking about my kids, because I can handle that. Sometimes, when you're married, things happen, and you get sick. Stuff comes out. <laughs> and the person that's coming out of needs some rest, and you're just like, I got it. I'll take care of that. It's messy. It's gross. It's stinky. It's marriage. Marriage is holding somebody's hand during chemotherapy. Marriage is sitting by somebody's side as they wither away and die, and you stick it out. You get nothing from them, but you agreed. You promised the Lord, I will be with this person forever. I will care for them always. I will put their needs ahead of my own. Marriage is really hard, but it's worth it. It's good. Marriage is constantly apologizing, and I am an expert at apologizing. But it also means always forgiving. So when they come to you and say, I'm sorry, even if you don't feel like it, you forgive and forget and let it go. And that is not easy. Marriage is sharing the best moments of your life and the hardest moments of your life. Marriage is your best qualities brought to life and your worst qualities, stuff you don't even know is in there, brought to light. Marriage requires vulnerability, sacrifice that is not humanly possible. It needs some Jesus. So, Brooke is, as I said, doing the baby shower deal, and she's away today, but she could easily sit up here with me and talk about marriage. This is something very near and dear to our hearts for you, and we felt like God wanted us both to say some things, so she wanted to be part of the message somehow, so I videoed her yesterday, and she's going to share one example from her perspective of what marriage is, and this is a quick little snippet story of when we were in Turkey together, and I put my foot in my mouth, and there were some consequences, and here is a 
little story from Brooke about what marriage is to her. Everybody say, hi, Brooke. It's not live. Don't be stupid. No. You guys got that video ready for me? Marriage to me can be described in a situation from 2007 when Justin and I were in Turkey and he made me mad. So I decided to find our hotel all by myself. I spent about two hours stomping around this foreign city where nobody spoke English and finally in my desperation turned around to ask a guard who also did not speak English where my hotel was and in my desperation I was so relieved to see Justin dash behind a car and hide from me. He had been following me for two hours hiding behind walls and cars and whatever he needed to so that I wouldn't see that he was following behind to keep me safe. And so I was so happy to see him. I forgave him instantly. Woo! Thank you, Brooke Bear. I don't remember what I said. I'm sure I was right. No, I was not right. I was wrong. And I upset her, and we're in Istanbul, and we don't know the city. It's like our first day there. And she's just like, I'm done with you for, for today. And she stomps off, thinking she sees our hotel like on a hill. But our hotel looks like a mosque. You know how many mosques are in Istanbul? More than two. So she stomps off, and I'm just like, go then, you know? Bye-bye. Taking four right here. I got the manuscripts. You're never coming back. And as she gets further and further away, I'm like, I cannot let my wife, my other half, wander off into a foreign city. So I followed her, like total James Bond style. I was so sneaky, like just hiding behind stuff as thin as this mic, and I'm just like, you know, peeking. And I was great. And... She finally is talking to the security guard, and she spot. I wasn't ready for her to spot me, but she did. And she was, I mean, you should have seen her. I mean, she's literally stomping. Like, strangers are like, watch out, she's crazy. <laughs> and I'm just laughing, and yet kind of feeling bad. I was her stomp reason. I don't know if that's the right way to say that, but you know what I mean. And when she finally saw me, I mean, we could have fought for days, for hours, but because I put her first and put her safety first, she sees me and just came and collapsed into my arms. And I just got to hold her and say, I love you. I'm sorry. She's just like, never do that again. <laughs> I have not done that yet again. Marriage is hard. Marriage is dying to yourself. It's putting someone else's needs ahead of your own. Um, we're going to look at one more scripture. We're going to burn through this. Again, I could teach all morning on this one thing. This is so rich. I would encourage you to read it on your own. Ephesians chapter 5, 21 through 25. I'm going to read and then paraphrase a little bit and read and paraphrase a little bit because I want to get through this. But this is subtitled Spirit-Guided Relationships. This is God's guidance for how to have a healthy marriage, a God-centered marriage. And it starts off with this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. To submit means to take a knee and say you and what you need right now and what you want right now are more important than me. Submit. Not husbands to wives, period. Not wives to husbands, period. Submit to one another. It's mutual. It's both. It's equal. Submit to one another. Out of reverence for Christ. If I submit to Brooke perfectly, without fail, for the rest of our lives together, sooner or later, she is going to let me down. 
She is going to disappoint me. I can't do it for her. I got to do it for Jesus, who's perfect, who's my Lord, who's my captain, who knows what's best. I can't do it for her. She can't do it for me. You can't do it for your boyfriend or girlfriend or your future spouse. You've got to do it for Jesus. He's got to be the reason you stick it out. For wives, what's it mean to submit? This means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. That is a big, hairy statement, command. Submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife. He's not greater than her. He just has a different role. He has a greater responsibility. He has to answer for you. Submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives, you girls, you ladies, submit to your husbands in some things? No, in everything. Submit in everything. Girls, does that sound easy? Does that make you be like, woo, let's get married? No, that's a tough, high order. But that's God's guidance for you as a wife in a marriage. Guys, you think you're getting off easy because of all that that they have to be responsible for? Heck no. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. You need to be willing to die for her, to lay down your life and your best interest and your desires and you wanting the nice car, it means lay it down. She comes first. Jesus gave his life so that we could have a right relationship. In men, that's nothing less than what we're being asked here. Be willing to give your life for her. Be willing to follow her through a crazy, scary city that you've never been to. Put yourself in danger by driving out into a storm, hopefully for a better reason than fajitas, but hey, that's what she wants. You put her first. You set down your desires. It is a tall order, you guys, and I just, I do not understand how any marriage anywhere works without doing this for Jesus. Because if you do that for yourself, so you can be like, look at me, super husband, super wife, if you do that for them, Oh, they're perfect? No. No, they are not. The closest to perfection is Brooke, and she ain't. All right? You need to do it for Jesus. You need to do it because he commands it. He calls us to it. He says it's the best way to have a great marriage. You can't do it for yourselves or for the other person. It does not. It's not easy. It's not. I want to give you a, a fun illustration of how uneasy and painful it is. Marriage is hard, but it's good, but it's hard. You guys know my son, Wyatt, right? The manimal? The manimal had his first haircut a year ago, and he was two at the time, so his hair was like getting cousin it-ish, right? It's long, can't see. Got to get his hair cut, take him to the barber. And they just use the clippers, right? It's got a guard and everything. It's safe. Did he think it was safe? No. Kid freaked out, had a conniption fit. He's swinging at the woman. Go away, go away. He's crying. He's got snot all over his face. And his hair, which for him has been part of him since the day he was born, is falling down in front of his eyes. Part of himself 
is literally being cut away. And he is freaking out. This has never happened to him. And he is pointing at his hair as it falls, and he's screaming, like, beautifully, heartbreakingly, ridiculously, it's Wyatt! It's Wyatt! Pointing at himself on the floor. He's like, you're killing me! That's part of me! Who are you? And what gives you the right to cut away part of me? He freaked out. It, it was traumatic. So, we didn't have a video of that that I can recall or could find, but he got his hair cut again this week. How fun for you. Let's see Wyatt, a year later, same instance, getting his hair cut, and as you hear him scream for his life, think about how hard and painful it is to give up part of yourself. Roll that clip for me. <laughs> I think he just cursed at her in three-year-old toddler speak at the end. <laughs> did that physically hurt him? No. But did that hurt him? I mean, misery. He was hating life. It is hard. It is painful to allow the dead stuff that's in you, the rot inside of you, the brokenness inside of you, the disappointment inside of you, the stuff that you protect because you're afraid to be vulnerable. It's tough to let that go, it's tough to cut it away, but it's good, it's necessary. I'll tell you on this area is, my kid looks sharp today. Wyatt is so handsome today because of that. You get more beautiful, you become more of yourself when you allow God to cut away the dead, worthless, selfish junk that you don't need. He didn't need that extra hair. It kept him from seeing. You don't need that unforgiveness in your heart. You need to let God cut that out. You don't need that pride in your mind that says, I'm always right. Because if you go into a marriage with that mentality, you're doomed. You need to let God, out of reverence for Jesus, cut that out. All you need to do is know how to ask, God, get that out of me. Help me. He will. But you've got to be willing to let that stuff go. Anybody in here have some junk in their heart that maybe they're hiding, protecting, thinking, oh, I need that, thinking I can't ever say that out loud? That's the devil telling you that. God is like, let it go. Let it go. I had to, sorry. I could do better. Let it go. That's terrible. I lost half of you right there. We need to learn how to give our junk to Jesus, and we need to learn it now. Because within just a few years, some of you in this room will be married. A few years, I guarantee it, some of you will be married. For good or bad, better or worse, sickness or health, some of you in this room will have a spouse. And if you wait until then to learn how to submit and bend a knee and let God have full reign of your heart and mind, I'm worried for you. I'm warning you. Don't wait that long. I'm going to close out our time with two stories. I'm going to tell you a quick story about a marriage that did not work out in a marriage that did. 
It's my parents' marriage, and it's my marriage. My parents' marriage failed miserably when I was your age. From 14 to 18, my parents' marriage went in the toilet. My father, as many of you guys know, is an alcoholic. It is a very selfish disease. It is me, me, me all the time. What do I want? What can I do to take care of my needs, which is drinking? And my father has always been an alcoholic, but it just really got hold of him because he never did anything about it when I was 14, 15 years old. And it took over. And he lost his business, and he lost his friends, and we lost... Um, I mean, we got sued because he wasn't doing his job. I mean, it was awful, but he couldn't stop. It was, he never bent the knee. The reason my father failed at being a husband, at a, as a dad, as a businessman, he didn't have Jesus. He tried, after getting himself in that mess, to handle it on his own, and he failed. As a result, my mother, receiving no love, no affection, no support for years, just eventually gave up on life. Just like, I'm not even here. I'm invisible. This person who's supposed to lead me and love me forever has, is gone, even though he's right beside me. And she just quit being a mom, being a wife. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, hello? What about me? What about my sister? And I'm looking at their marriage and looking at their life, and I had no control over it, but who did I blame? For their marriage falling apart. No, I didn't know him enough to, to blame him. I blame myself. I was like, surely this is my fault. Surely this is something I've done. And again, this is something I talked to you guys about for hours. If your parents have ever gone through that, if they're in it, it is not your fault. Their marriage failed because they didn't have Jesus at the center. They didn't know how to bend a knee. They didn't know how to submit out of fear for the Lord and respect for the other person. They didn't know how to lay down their lives for someone else. I tried to fix it. I sat them down one night, and I said, Mom and Dad, this is horrible. It's having horrible impact on me and my sister. Let's talk about this. And I put on my, like, you know, I know everything 17-year-old cap, and I counseled them like I knew something for hours. And we walked away from that meeting like, good. I'm like, I just saved their marriage. I'm going to get a TV show, right? I can do this. The next day my dad got drunk, my mom went back to feeling horrible, and just a year or two later they're divorced. And I blame myself again. I'm like, I could have done more. I had no power over the result of that. It was because they didn't have Jesus. The only thing I could have done that I didn't even know to do was I should have been praying for their marriage. I should have been praying for them. But I didn't know Jesus. And I was just like, no, just suck it up. Just do it. Just push through. They needed the Lord. Their marriage did not work out. And it was devastating to me. It was painful for me and my sister. It's still painful today. Second marriage we'll look at is a great marriage. Mine and Brooke's marriage. And it is not because Brooke or I are in it. I take no credit for having a good marriage. I give all the credit to Jesus. All of it because I didn't know how to be a husband when I got married after knowing Brooke for six weeks. Stupid. Not really. Brooke didn't know how to be a wife. And I had grown up in this house where anytime stuff hit the fan and things got hard, my learned behavior was bail, leave, walk out, and say things like, when I come back, if things aren't better, I'm divorcing you. 
That's how I learned how to handle conflict. Walk away and make threats. It does not work. And on a, too many occasions, our first year or two in marriage, I said those things and I acted in that way towards Brooke. Get it together or I'm leaving you. And there was one night in particular where Brooke had done something, more likely I had done something, and we were in a fight, and I was like, I am done. And I meant it. I was like, I'm, tomorrow I'm going to go see somebody and we're getting a divorce. And I left my house at like 2 in the morning after fighting for hours, just being so proud and selfish and unwilling to say I'm sorry. And I drove to the old Woods Edge parking lot. And I get out of my car, and I'm just like, what are you doing? Why did you make me marry this crazy person? Who I like begged to marry. Please, God, let me have her. Why did you give me her? She's crazy. I can't do this. I can't do this. It's too hard. And in that moment, as I'm standing there in the parking lot under this light, I just feel this conviction in my heart. And I didn't hear anything, but it was like God was saying to me, suck it up, get in your car, drive to your house, and apologize to your wife, who, by the way, is my daughter before she's your wife. Who are you? to yell at my daughter like that. You go apologize, and I'll take care of the rest. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to go apologize, even though it was my fault. There's no way. And I just sat there arguing with God. And he was like, do it. I'm God. Do it. It's going to be okay. Just do it. Oh, Justin, just go. So I get in my car, and I drive home, 2 or 3 in the morning, anticipating having to fight just to apologize and Brooke is at the foot of the stairs outside of our house in the winter weather, wrapped in a blanket, laying on the ground, waiting for me to get home. Because as I was standing there arguing with God and him saying, go apologize, she was doing the same thing inside, and he was saying, go downstairs and accept his apology. And it was at that moment that we were like, we need Jesus in this, because without him talking to us in that moment, and kind of playing the trump card and saying, you're doing this for me, we would have divorced. Guarantee it. But since that day, I have never uttered that word to her. I have not handled myself quite like that. In that day, when I drove home to apologize when I didn't want to, and Brooke came downstairs and laid on the ground to accept my apology, something in us died. Some pride some selfishness. We didn't even know it, but we were nailing it to the cross, and we were killing part of ourselves that was not allowing us to be the husband and wife that God called us to be, to be the friend that God called us to be, to be the support God called us to be. Marriage is putting others first for Jesus, and if you can do that, he does such incredible things in you, for you, with you, you need to learn now how to die to yourself and nail your junk to the cross. If that sounds weird and mystical to you, it kind of is. It's beautiful. It's mysterious. It's awesome. But he is so faithful to take your junk and replace it with good stuff. I was a selfish man when I married Brooke. And now, by God's grace, I'm a pretty selfless person. Again, not because of me, but him. So, I already asked you this, but I've always felt bad, and I've been feeling bad this week, 
that I never prayed for my parents because they need it. Who in here has parents? Okay, everybody. That's good. I can work with that. Who in here has parents that need Jesus? Who in here have parents who could use some answered prayer? Who in here have some parents whose marriage needs some supernatural love infused into it? We need to pray for our parents. As some of our junior hires pointed out in last service, we wouldn't even be here without them, right? The least we could do is pray for them. As I said before, this entire message is preamble to now. I would like all of you to stand up right now. And I want to invite all of you to come right up here and stand with me. And we are going to spend as long as we want, as long as it takes, praying for our parents. They need it, and we owe it to them. And again, I feel like this whole message is because God is saying, I want you to do it. Had a student come up to me before both services now and share a word of prophecy that God is going to do some healing here today. And we already saw it in junior high. If you are just willing to believe with 1% of yourself that God is here and he wants to heal and he wants to restore, he will do it. But I need you to pray. I need you guys to lift up your families. Some things that I'd like to invite you guys to pray for. If your parents have a great marriage, thank him right now. Thank him as I pass around the mic. If your parents' marriage is in a tough spot, ask God to give them strength, wisdom, selflessness. If your parents need a job, ask for it. If you need healing because of some stuff that's happened with your folks, pray about that. If you will just step out in faith and pray with me for a few minutes, I believe with all my heart God is going to show up here. So I'm going to start us off, and then I will just stand up here and hand the mic to you guys. But I would love it if some of you guys would pray. And men, as the leaders of a marriage, I'd like it if you guys would start. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, we surrender these next few minutes to you, faithfully believing that you're here and you want to do something that we can't take credit for, that we might not even understand. I pray in the next few minutes that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on each of us here and you would allow us to forgive a parent that may have hurt us or our mom or our dad. I pray that you would help us lay some stuff down that you know in the future may cause us to consider or act on divorce. I pray that you would come and you would give us understanding of how to be great spouses, even though we might not even know who our wife or husband may be. We are praying here today in faith, and we are expecting you to show up because of that faith. Please come and answer our prayers. Any of those things, who wants to pray first? It's on. Yeah, it's on. Okay. Um, my parents divorced when I was, I want to say 12, and I want to thank God for just letting them both be a part of my life still, and, it, and just thank that they can still live in the same house together for us, mm. and I want to pray that they can, at some point, just get back together. Yes, Jesus. So...
Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the parents that you've given me, that they have such a strong marriage. Um, Lord, I, I just thank you so much for that, Father, and I just ask that you will prepare my brothers and sisters and, and me personally, Father, just for future marriage, Father, that you will prepare our hearts, Father, to, to be willing to, to take those roles that you've, you've given us, Father, as, as husbands and wives, Father. Lord, and, and I thank you for this, this new awareness that we need to be praying for marriage, Father. And I just ask you will inspire us. You will, you will remind us, Father, daily, Father, that we need to be praying for our marriages, our future marriages, uh, and our parents' marriage. Yes. God, I just also want to thank you for the parents that, even if they may be divorced, if they have a strong marriage, thank you that we have parents um, just in general to try to do their best to their ability to help us through this life. And I just want to, I want to confess and, and just say that I haven't been praying for my parents' marriages, for their marriage, for like I should be, God. I just want to give that to you, and I just pray that you would give me the courage and the strength to remember to pray constantly every day to uh, just heal their marriage, God, because only you can do that, Lord, and I know that uh, your plan is above my plan and whatever you have, I know I can trust you. Jesus. Who's next? Lord, thank you for the parents you've given us and please give them patience, forgiveness, humility, wisdom. Please bless all current and future marriages. In Jesus' name. God, I'm just going to pray that I know my parents, they have a great marriage, and I'm just so thankful for that. They just, they always keep you in the center of it. But God, I'm just going to pray that you would take my mind personally just off of the future and just onto the present. God, I just want, I just want you to make it so I'm ready when I get married. I'm ready for this, and I just don't need to worry about it so much. I don't need to just keep thinking about it continuously and just, and just, uh, I just thank you for the last here today. Jesus. that you provide them with the strength they need to keep a marriage and just to keep them strong yes. and I ask that you heal whatever is poisoning their marriage and to let it die and exceed from their heart mm -hmm. and Lord I ask that you uh be with them at all times, and I ask that you, for whoever's parents are divorced, I ask that you, if if it's not meant, if they're not meant to get back together, I ask that you help them get along if they fight, mm -hmm. or if they are to get back together, I ask that you make their marriage stronger than it ever was before. Yes. In Jesus' name.
Dear Lord, I thank you for this day. Um, my family got divorced, my parents got divorced when I was in fifth grade, uh, and then officially legally got divorced when I was in seventh. Um, they tried to make it work for us, Lord. They tried to get back together, and it just led to more fighting and more unhappiness. And Lord, I don't pray for my parents' marriage. I never did. But now that you have brought a new man into my mom's life, Lord, and she is truly happy, I ask that you would just bless their marriage as they are soon to be married. Yes. And Lord, I ask that you would just watch over them and let her be happy finally, Lord, instead of trying to make us happy before herself, Lord. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Um, God, I thank you that you have given my parents such a strong marriage and that they constantly focus on you and put each other's needs before their own. But I want to pray specifically for my friend's uh, parents and how they've gone through a terrible divorce and how even though it's been years that they are still fighting and being terrible to each other. And I just pray that you would heal old wounds and that you would comfort my friend and his brother and just heal any animosity between their parents. Lord, I thank you for my parents for being strong and just sticking with each other <clears throat> through my, me and my sister's life and just staying strong. And when they come across a problem, they go to you, God, and they just work it out. Um, Lord, just let my parents prepare me and just get me prepared for when it's my time to get married and have a spouse. Lord, just let me be ready and let me let me just know that it is time and you're telling me when I'm supposed to. Yes. Lord, just whenever I do get married, let me just be strong. Let it be strong in you and just let it be circled around you, Lord. Let it just be if we have any problems, let us come to you first before we go anywhere else. Amen. Lord, you just teach us that love keeps no record of wrongs. And I thank you for showing me that through my parents, uh, even on a daily basis, Father. Um, I pray that you would teach every one of us of that as we may go into marriage one day, that we shouldn't keep records of wrongs and we should always seek forgiveness and reconciliation with our partners. Father, I just pray for each one of these students' parents, including my own, uh, that you would just teach us to pray daily, whether it's a good time or a bad time or neutral time. Father, just teach us to pray without ceasing for blessing. Yes. I just pray this in Jesus' name. us whenever I was about eight and I grew up um, not really knowing him and he was just kind of bitter and selfish but then he met my stepmom um, and uh, she helped bring him back to the Lord and now they're married and their marriage is beautiful and I think thank God that um, uh, he blessed us with Jen who gave my dad a second chance and um, um, please protect the baby that she's carrying and help him Hannah be born into a family of love. Um, thank you for giving me parents who love us even through the hard times okay. and help us continue our family to grow closer and to have families of our own who are better off because of our experiences.
Um, Father God, uh, first off, thank you so much for giving me the parents that you did give me. Uh, I know first off that if you didn't give me the parents that I have today, I, I would not be a Christian. They put uh, you first. They put me in your word as soon as I was able to read. And I know so much about you just because of my parents, God, and I thank you so much for that. Lord God, they have a healthy marriage, but lately, I, I, I just don't know, God. Lord, they've been fighting a little bit more, and I, I just don't see. They don't ever really tell each other that they love each other anymore. Maybe I'm just kind of being paranoid, God, but please, Lord, I, I just lift up their marriage unto you. and Please bless it and just keep it healthy for the rest of their lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We got another hand, Maggie. Um, Lord, I pray that my parents keep going strong. There have been many, many times where divorce and leaving me was an option. And um, I'm so afraid of that every day. And I just, I give it to you, God, that you would you would bless them and you would give them the, the words they need to communicate to each other. Yes. Thank you. Amen. Um, Lord, I would like to pray for my dad in particular. He, I would like to show him the true light of you. He, um, he's always followed you, but he's never opened up to his eyes to what other people need. And I would just would like a way to communicate with him. Amen. God, I just want to thank you for giving me such amazing parents. I know that they're not together and they haven't been together for six years. And my dad did a lot of messed up stuff. I just hope that if he doesn't get back together with my mom, I want him healed by you, by whoever he's back with. And I want him healed mentally, physically, and spiritually. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I'd love to have one more person pray, two more people pray, and then I'll close this. Lord, I thank you for bringing each of our parents together so that we can be here. You brought them together however many years ago so that we can be here today to pray for them, Lord, and I thank you for that. And for each of our parents that are still together, I pray that you bring healing to these marriages, Lord, and just overflow their relationship and just their whole home with love so that everyone can be together and feel like a family and not be afraid and that everyone will just completely trust and share the love that you've given them. And Lord, for the people whose parents are not together, I pray that you can just bring peace to the relationship that they hopefully still have with each other and that somewhere inside of them they can still have love towards each other and maybe even bring that relationship back together, Lord. And if 
And if their, their relationship does not come back, I pray that you bring them an amazing relationship with someone else that will make their relationship with you stronger, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I am. I pray for my both of my parents that you just heal my mother and um, just break those chains that my father has on her. And um, I pray that you final their divorce and um, that they don't fight anymore. And I pray for my dad's new girlfriend that if they do get married, that um, that you're just in that relationship and that uh, he doesn't treat her the way that he treated my mother and that he loves her and respects her the way a husband should. And I just thank you for bringing my parents together uh, for that short period of time of being able to give me my siblings and me life. And um, I just thank you for working all things for good and helping me come close to you. And I pray all this in your name. Amen. Let me wrap this up. We'll worship a few minutes before we're done. This last thing that I want to pray for you guys, I feel like the Lord has specifically asked for. So if you guys would just stay close, throw a hand on a shoulder. But I want to pray for anybody in here that's been negatively impacted by marriage, whether their parents are divorced or they're hurt or they blame themselves. It's something specific we felt like God asked for us to pray about. So Lord, I do thank you for each and every single one of us here. Um, we are these beautiful blends, these beautiful creations of these two people that came together in marriage, bodily or ceremonially, and we exist because of this gift. And I just pray you would help us appreciate it, honor it. We're inviting the season of vulnerability, and we pray that we would lead that charge by being vulnerable with our parents and vulnerable with each other and sharing what we're going through. And we invite this season of celebrating all that marriage is, Lord. And I know what little I know, that marriage is a gift and it is a great and beautiful, powerful reflection of our relationship with you. You laid down your life for us. May we do the same for you. You laid down your personal interests. May we do the same for you, for the good of your kingdom, to be great representatives of love and good deeds. And I lift up my friends here. I lift up myself. If we are harboring any negative feeling, if we are opening and keeping open the door for the enemy to have a foothold in our hearts and our minds about pain we've experienced from disappointment in parents or marriage, right now, in Jesus' name, we give that to you and say, be done with it, remove it, kill it, set us free. We are your children. We thank you for our parents. And we pray your best over ourselves and over them in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Thanks for listening to the Woodbed Student Ministry Podcast. Please feel free to share copies of this podcast. Do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way. 
For more information, please visit woodsedge.org students or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash woodsedgestudents.